What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It is Thursday, June 2nd. I'm Gideon Resnick. And I'm Priyanka Arabindi, and this is What a Day, where Gideon and I are honoring Pride Month by admitting that our tastes in music, art, and movies is generally not as good as LGBTQ plus people's. Yeah, I would describe myself as having no taste in anything. <laughs> so any sort of advice on taste would be well appreciated. On today's show, the gunman in Buffalo's mass shooting has been charged, including for domestic terrorism. Plus, we're going to look at a local primary race with big implications. Who will be L.A.'s next sheriff? But first, a verdict in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard defamation case. After a weeks-long trial, a jury in Virginia found that both Depp and Heard were liable for defamation in their lawsuits against each other. But the jury awarded significantly more in damages to Depp, and his team is treating it like a legal win. Yeah, and so this trial has become one of the most high-profile cases of the Me Too era. Millions of people have been streaming it, obsessively following it via social media. We haven't really talked about it yet on WAD, so can you get us up to speed on what actually happened here? Yeah, I'm going to do my best. So for some context here... Depp and Heard were married in 2015 for just over a year. When she filed for divorce, she alleged that he was verbally and physically abusive towards her. Fast forward to 2018, Heard, with the help of the ACLU, wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post. In it, she referred to herself as a public figure representing domestic abuse and said that she witnessed how institutions protect men accused of abuse. She didn't name Depp specifically within the op-ed, But he filed a $50 million defamation suit against her, arguing that it clearly referred to him and that it cost him his career in Hollywood. Heard then countersued him for $100 million for defamation as well over statements that his attorney made about her abuse claims. Yeah, so a lot is spinning around here. Right. The trial started in April and just wrapped up yesterday. So what were some of the key things to come out of it? Yeah, so throughout this six-week-long trial, there were several allegations of abuse made by both parties, oftentimes in great detail. Depp denied Heard's accusations that he subjected her to repeated physical and sexual abuse. He instead described her as the aggressor. Heard, on the other hand, maintained that everything in the op-ed was true and that there was a pattern of violence in their relationship paired with Depp's drug and alcohol use, which at times left her afraid for her life. The trial came to a close yesterday when the jury found unanimously that Heard could not substantiate her allegations against Depp, that she knew her claims of abuse were false when she published the op-ed, and that she acted with the legal standard of actual malice when writing it. Hmm. They awarded Depp $10.35 million in compensatory and punitive damages. They also found that through his lawyer's statements, Depp had defamed Heard on one count from her countersuit, and they awarded her $2 million in damages for that. Yeah, I think the other thing that was confusing about this is that it was a very different outcome than what happened in the UK, where Depp sued a tabloid in 2020 for calling him a, quote, wife beater and lost after the judge ruled that there was evidence 
that he had assaulted Heard. Yes, it's the complete opposite outcome with the exact same people. It's the exact same timeline, the same set of facts. They've just come to two completely different conclusions. But I mean, this trial has also become a totally different spectacle here than it was over there. Yeah, not to mention certain tweets from Republican members of Congress about this. Yeah, I don't think that was happening over there. Yeah. Uh, So to that point, let's talk for a minute about the larger implications of this trial. Yeah. So on the Internet, Depp has kind of emerged as a hero who's being vindicated by this trial. There have been millions of TikToks and memes and posts on social media calling Heard a liar and a psychopath and all kinds of awful things for weeks. We're not the first people to say this, but the trial and the responses to it have really played into this backlash against the Me Too movement. It's been amplified by men's rights activists and by conservative media, which has largely been one-sided about the case. Vice actually found that the right-wing site, The Daily Wire, spent nearly $50,000 promoting content about the trial. Most of it was trashing Amber Heard. And Heard and Depp aren't the only people affected by that. Experts expect to see fewer victims and survivors of domestic violence speaking up after seeing the way the media and their friends and family have attacked Heard and supported Depp through this ordeal. So much of this is also happening on TikTok, where there are a ton of young users. A third of TikTok users in the U.S. are between 10 and 19 years old. According to gender justice advocate Farah Khan, this case and the TikToks they're seeing about it have the potential to shape the way that they understand domestic and sexual violence. Yeah, there's a lot that we are not going to fully understand about the ramifications of all of this, maybe for some time. But what were the reactions to this verdict yesterday? Depp wasn't present in the courtroom for the verdict, but he released a statement saying that the jury, quote, gave me my life back. He went on to say, quote, I also hope the position will now return to innocent until proven guilty, both within the courts and in the media. Heard, on the other hand, was really upset, of course, for herself, but said in a statement, quote, I'm even more disappointed with what this verdict means for other women. It is a setback. It sets back the clock to a time when a woman who spoke up and spoke out could be publicly shamed and humiliated. It sets back the idea that violence against women is to be taken seriously. Yeah, that's a sad statement to have to read and share. Uh, It just seems like a bad situation overall. A total mess of a case for sure, but the implications that it and the way that, you know, we've been speaking about it, not us specifically, we as a people, uh, will be felt for a very long time. Yeah. We're going to turn our attention now to some upcoming primaries. So next Tuesday, a bunch of states are going to head to the polls, including New Jersey, Iowa, and New Mexico. But Gideon, you are going to zero in on a local race in California, the race to be the L.A. County Sheriff and unseat incumbent Alex Villanueva. What about his tenure has so many people looking to oust him? Can you kind of explain the backstory here? If I had... Many hours, we could probably get to all of it. But uh, in short, he came to office four years ago, campaigning as a kind of progressive reformer while the department was struggling to reshape its image that had really been besmirched by corruption and scandal. But Villanueva has turned out to really not be the candidate that people had voted for back in 2018. Okay, so tell us why not. Well, Villanueva has clashed with many city officials, journalists, and residents of Los Angeles. People have continuously accused him of mismanaging the sheriff's department and the city's jails and rolling back reforms. And if you didn't know much about his history, he really does just seem like more of a staunch conservative than anything else. Villanueva has been on Fox News and other broadcasts where he almost sounds like former President Donald Trump calling critics trolls and out-of-touch elites. 
He also refused to enforce COVID vaccine and mask mandates in the county and his department, and has even attempted to increase the number of people in L.A. County permitted to carry concealed guns. And he shockingly created a special task force to harass his political enemies like journalists. Okay, so reading our our little draft for today was the first time I learned that he campaigned as a progressive reformer. That is like completely at odds with everything I have heard about him since then that you have said. Uh, Tell us a little more about who is running to unseat him. It's a pretty crowded field with eight challengers, but some who are running also have pretty spotty track records of their own. And it's been tough for progressive voters to get a sense of who will actually bring about the criminal justice reform they thought they were going to get by electing Villanueva. To find out more, I spoke to Cerise Castle. She is the host of the podcast, A Tradition of Violence, a podcast on 50 years of deputy gangs inside the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. I started by asking her about her own reporting that she has done about deputy gangs under Villanueva's leadership. The biggest thing that it's led to is the murder of citizens of Los Angeles. It is said that in order to become a member of these deputy gangs, a deputy has to kill a civilian in order to get full membership, which includes a shiny new tattoo of more likely than not a skeleton in some sort of white supremacist regalia holding a weapon of some sort. We've seen an explosion of deputy violence under Alex Villanueva, an increase of over 100% in fatal shootings, as well as deaths in the jail. And we've just seen all of this increase under Sheriff Villanueva, who continues to insist that the press, myself included by name sometimes, are making this up for gain when it couldn't be further from the truth. So what can you actually tell us about the people that are in this race, the challengers, and who has been able to sort of break through here, if anyone? The interesting thing about this race is that this is probably the most challengers that we've seen to an incumbent. It's also the biggest number of challengers that are involved with deputy gangs. Mm. There are currently nine candidates in the race, but at least 30% of them have been alleged to either be in a gang or invited to one. Wow. One of them, Cecil Rambo, is self-admitted best friends with Paul Tanaka, who is, of course, the former under-sheriff, self-admitted member of the white supremacist deputy gang, the Vikings. And Cecil admitted to me on the record that he was fully aware of Paul's membership in this white supremacist gang. He continued to advocate for Paul's promotions. He gave financial donations to Paul's campaign for mayor of Gardena, which he won. And he actually served as mayor of a Los Angeles County town for several years, all the way up until his federal indictment Mm. for obstruction of justice. The candidate that is garnering a lot of support in progressive circles is a man by the name of Eric Strong. Mm -hmm. He is campaigning on a platform of closing Men's Central Jail, on a platform of reallocation of sheriff's department resources, namely money, out of the department and into things like social services, homeless outreach, anti-poverty programs, things like that. He is the only candidate that actively investigated deputy gangs while he served in any capacity of law enforcement and he hasn't killed anyone which 
I can't say of many other candidates. That's an unbelievable assessment. Wow. So our listeners know how important it is to vote in elections like this, but sometimes might find it difficult to find the best resources so they can learn about candidates and their values besides listening to you lay it out in that manner. What advice could you give them based on what works for people in L.A. in this particular race? In this particular race, I definitely recommend using the Knock Voter Guide, which takes all this information that I've been talking about, as well as the reporting that we've done. I can't, you know, synthesize it in these few minutes we have, but there's a lot of reporting we've done on all these people. And the voter guide takes all of that and presents it in a way that is easy to digest and helps you make a decision about who you think the best candidate is. This is the largest law enforcement police agency in the world. Polices over, I think it's about 10 million people total every day. And even if you don't live in Los Angeles County, this affects you. The Los Angeles mm-hmm. County Sheriff's Department writes policies and creates programs that are adopted by law enforcement, not just here in the United States, but across the world. So Priyanka, that was my conversation with journalist and podcast host Cerise Castle. We are going to link to Knock LA's voter guide in our show notes, along with a few more resources. More on all of this very soon, but that is the latest for now. We'll be back after some ads. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, Books promo code WAD. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. On Wednesday, a grand jury indicted the white supremacist gunman accused of killing 10 black residents at a Buffalo supermarket last month on 25 counts. The indictment includes 10 counts of first-degree murder and 10 counts of second-degree murder as hate crimes, as well as three counts of attempted murder as a hate crime and a single count of criminal possession of a weapon. The final count is a domestic terrorism charge motivated by hate, which on its own carries the penalty of a life sentence without parole. The shooter is scheduled to appear in court today to be arraigned and has previously pleaded not guilty in earlier court appearances. He may still face additional federal charges as well. Meanwhile, as we went to record, there was a developing situation about a mass shooting at a medical building in Tulsa, Oklahoma. According to early comments from the captain of the police department there, at least five people, including the gunman, were killed, and there were other potential injuries. The gunman is believed to have taken his own life. This is a developing story, so we're going to know more on that soon. Yesterday marked a major victory in the fight for student loan forgiveness. Biden's education department said that it would clear $5.8 billion in debt held by people who attended Corinthian colleges, which was one of the biggest for-profit college chains in the country until its closure in 2015. The move will affect an estimated 560,000 borrowers and will be applied automatically. 
In a statement, Education Secretary Miguel Cardona said, quote, as of today, every student deceived, defrauded, and driven into debt by Corinthian colleges can rest assured that the Biden-Harris administration has their back and will discharge their federal student loans. Corinthian colleges faced multiple investigations and lawsuits for defrauding students out of millions in federally backed loans and leaving them with degrees that were basically worthless. One of the lawsuits that succeeded was filed by Vice President Harris herself back when she was attorney general in California. When the chain was driven into bankruptcy, a group of former students known as the Corinthian 15 began a debt strike and pleaded with then-President Obama's education department to forgive their loans. Seven years later, their efforts have finally paid off. That is a slightly nice story amidst uh, really awful stories. So I'll take it. That's a yeah, big chunk of change. That is. Good for them for being persistent. Sheryl Sandberg will undergo the experimental procedure known as exiting the metaverse. The <laughs> chief operating officer of the company formerly known as Facebook announced yesterday that she is stepping down after 14 years. Sandberg took the job when founder Mark Zuckerberg was just 23 years old. And as Facebook's resident adult, she helped grow the company from a website for college kids to post pictures from foam parties into a super profitable advertising giant. Later on, she also helped to become a controversial organization that seemed to specialize in facilitating the spread of misinformation, invading users' privacy, and giving teenagers mental illnesses. Anyway, her departure comes during a rocky period for Facebook, which has seen its stock fall by 44% since the start of 2022, and which has been spending tens of billions of dollars building up the quote-unquote metaverse in hopes that it will pay off. Of what's next for Sandberg, she said in a Facebook post yesterday that, quote, it will include focusing more on my foundation and philanthropic work, which is more important to me than ever, given how critical this moment is for women. Meta's chief growth officer, Javier Olivan, will take over as COO, while Sandberg will continue to serve on the board of directors. What I don't understand about this story mm -hmm. is why, in what world, did they need to release this news at the exact same time that the Depp Heard verdict came out? Why? <laughs> it, really, it really was simultaneous. It was strange. It was strange. It was wild. It was like, yeah. is this even like that bad? Do we need to bury this? I, I didn't think so. I don't know. I don't get it. Maybe I'm missing something. I want some more answers. Anyways. Today, Britain is kicking off its Jubilee, also known as Monarchy Coachella. <laughs> Jubilees honor the time a given British royal has spent on the throne. Once monarchs hit 25 years, they get a silver Jubilee, followed by ruby, golden, diamond, and sapphire Jubilees at intervals oh. over the next 40 years. This year's celebration is the Platinum Jubilee of Queen Elizabeth II, marking 70 years of her doing absolute queen shit. <laughs> Notably, Queen Elizabeth is the only British monarch to have ever held down the job this long. By now, her 401k must be looking pretty healthy. We have to hope. Yeah, Jubilees have been celebrated for hundreds of years in Britain to give you a sense of how the event has changed over the years. King Edward III's Jubilee back in the 14th century featured a week of jousting, which presumably would be hard to book an event space for in 2022, though it would be pretty cool. I would watch. Same. In place of stick-wielding men on horses, attractions at this year's events include community-organized street parties and barbecues, one horse race, a church service, and of course, a night of musical performances that include a song by Ed Sheeran. Who else? Uh, I'm sure there are other musical artists, but that is the only one who will be included in this headline. Only one that's relevant. Many Brits will get time off from work. The first event today is called Trooping the Color. It's a military parade in honor of the Queen's official birthday. Which events the Queen herself will attend between today and Sunday remains unknown since she now has the mobility issues you might expect of a 96-year-old woman. 
I'm wondering if she can make it to another level of Jubilee. And what it would have to be named. Yeah, they're just coming up with new levels because she keeps hitting every single benchmark. It's crazy. She's going to hit Sapphire Reserve at some point soon. That's next. Yeah, that must be next. Wow, I can't believe it. I also do want to see some corgis. You know, if I get nothing else out of this, I'd like to see some corgis. I mean, I wanted to see the jousting, but I guess I could settle for corgis. That's fine. Yeah, with them running into each other Does uh, that count? at full speed. This is a form of jousting. Yeah, I would How say How Michael so. Vick of you. Jeez. I, not in that way. Not <laughs> To be clear, not in that way. No corgis are going to be harmed in the making of Jubilee Fun. <laughs> they are all going to be doing it at their behest. Sure, Gideon. I've spoken too much already. <laughs> we love corgis here. Uh, those are the headlines. One more thing before we go. Today is your last day to take advantage of Crooked's Memorial Day sale. That is right. We extended our biggest sale ever for quite a while to give you one last chance to score a coveted what-a-day mug. Now is your shot. Now is your time. You can get 15% off site-wide and up to 80% off new sale items. So if you have your eye on something, now is the time to nab them before they're gone for good. Uh, There is a wad shirt that I think was marked down to the point where it might be free. It might be close <laughs> to free. So if you would like to get that, I think it's a cool shirt. It's a good deal. Have at it. Yeah, yeah, go for it. To shop now, head to crooked.com slash store, buy out all the WAD merch, and show the people that you love WAD. Yes. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, honk if you love Jubilee, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just the program from Jubilee, like me, What A Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Priyanka Arabindi. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and help, help us, us work, work on, on having, having better, better taste. taste. Please. Please. We need all the help we can get. <laughs> In every department, you could say that I don't have good taste. Yeah. So there's a lot to work with. I don't have good taste, but I think my taste is sometimes bad enough that it's good in a different way. Mm, comes back around. It comes back yeah, around. Yeah, like it's it trash. Mm-hmm. That's my taste. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine and Raven Yamamoto are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Leo Duran and me, Gideon Resnick. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware.